So today we continue in John chapter 15. We're on this journey throughout the entire summer to go deeper into this image that Jesus spoke of. His final I am statements in the Gospel of John. I am the true vine. What does it mean to abide in the vine? Well, some of you know that I... uh, that this last week I have been with the youth doing uh, home restoration and repair and rebuilding as part of the recovery from Hurricane Harvey in Texas near the Gulf Coast. And so uh, as I was preparing this sermon, it was all happening in here <laughs> as we were doing the work. So do not be surprised if there are a few illustrations and visuals that come from the world of home construction and rebuilding. And the first is this. Um, I realized that as I looked ahead at the remaining sermons in this series, we are starting to get into a, a particular theme. And there's going to be a fair bit of repetition uh, as we go th- through the next few weeks. Um, So you'll hear a lot about love, because love is, we're really bringing it home, because that's the great crescendo of this text, is at the beginning, where Jesus is talking about abiding in the vine, and talking about fruit, and pruning, and and God's will, the Father's will, and it leaves us with some questions. Well, we've been hinting all along that we're moving towards some very definite description of what the fruit is from our abiding, and Today's sermon, today's text, starts to lay it out. The text that Minna just read, the verses from 9 through 14, speaks of love, the word love, the particular Greek word agape. It highlights that eight times. We can't miss it. That's the great crescendo. And we actually read beyond the text that we are going into depth because I wanted you to hear that that we are on this journey. Jesus doesn't just end his, his talking about the vine and abiding in him and remaining in his love and just end it right there. No, it leads him into very profound and deep teaching about love, loving one another as we have been loved by God through Jesus Christ. But the illustration to help us understand kind of what we're doing this summer is, is from roofing. And that is, rather than each, each sermon being one after the other and clearly demarcated by a particular line, it's like shingles being put on top of a roof. There's a fair bit of overlapping that happens, right? Um, and yet you make progress as you go up the roof, the slope of the roof. And that's really what we're doing in this text. We're discovering new things, and yet we are remembering things that we learned last time. And there's a little bit of overlap, a little bit of overlap. So you'll hear a little bit of new, of new stuff in this sermon, but next week and the week after and the week after, as we bring it to its crescendo conclusion, um, you will be reminded of some things that are said today. So today, just to give it, get us oriented, love. We're starting to talk about love big time here in this chapter. And it is helpful, I think, to start out right away to identify that something that many of you know because you are Bible studiers and you are aware of this, that, that in the classic, the Koine Greek 
that the New Testament was written in, there are three primary words, popular words, for love. And they describe different types of love that we describe by the same word. You get that? Kind of, this is a, this is a, a word lesson, right? We have one word for love, which is? Love. Hey, you guys are smart. That, that's pretty cool. Um, love, yeah, love. That's, that's love. Oftentimes we have to put an, an, an adjective, some type of qualifier in front of that word to define what kind of love we're talking about. Now, the Greeks knew this, and so they thought, hey, it might be better if we actually had different words for some of these major kind of, kinds of love. And uh, there were three kinds of love. One was eros. We continue to have that in the English in the, the word erotic. Um, this is the the passionate love that is concerned with, with a feeling one gets from that experience of love. Um, and in fact, early, in, as this word was developed in ancient Greece, it, it started out as a, as a word that the philosophers actually weren't very comfortable with. Uh, it was really all about y- your intoxication. Think about our society and, and how much focus there is on being intoxicated by erotic love. Now the philosophers turned that and, and turned it to a more noble place, but it, it still was about our experience of love. And so the word that would be attached to that is not intoxication, but ecstasy. So it's, it's a higher feeling, but it's still... And you understand it, because we, we, the God created us to experience this dimension of creation. But it is all about what we're experiencing. That, that's what makes the, the need for having that word, eros, in the Greek language, is our experience of that love. Now, phileo is, that's the root word, we, we all know that Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. And uh, that's where the phil comes from. Uh, and so, it is brotherly, sisterly love. It's friendship love. It's the, it's the love of, of mutual uh, life together. And uh, that is used actually quite often in the New Testament. Uh, and and it's, it's particularly important to recognize this because here in this text, Jesus begins to call his disciples friends. Friends. So you might think that when Jesus calls his disciples friends, he would use this word. Didn't show up. Jesus doesn't use friendship love to describe the love that, that he he's asking his friends to remain in, in him. There's something going deeper in this friendship between Jesus and his disciples and among us. So what is this? It's described by the word agape. That's how you pronounce it in the Greek. We have known it as agape. You can pronounce it any way you want. It's just not agape, right? That's a whole different, that's a whole different thing. Um, didn't get much sleep last night, so if I end up just kind of stunned here, a gabe, someone come up and wake me up. Okay. All right. Now, agape is, is different. It is about showing or demonstrating love. And, and in large measure, what we know of agape love is really defined like by the biblical text in the New Testament. Um, yes, it was in Greek, but there's, it's, like, it's like the New Testament is the statement of what that word for love means. Because it's just so much of a theme. I mean, this small passage that we just read, eight times agape is repeated. Agape, agape. 
And that is, this is, the meaning of agape is active love on the other's behalf. And it does, it has an image associated with it. And it really is that those who are higher are, are reaching down and lifting up those who are lower so that they might be exalted. So I think of that, we just talked about Stephen ministry. And one of the images in Stephen ministry is, is that we have caregivers who, who, when we find someone who's down in a pit, we don't just jump into the pit with them, right? We, we want to we still be on the edge of the pit to be able to reach down and to be someone who can help them lift them up. That's a wonderful image of agape love. And yet, it takes exertion and commitment. And do you remember when I talked about eros and how it was all about kind of what we get out of it, kind of the feeling that we get? Agape love is self-giving love. It is love that that is not primarily concerned with what we get out of it. It's what we are concerned with what benefit comes to those we are expressing this love to. And yet remember that, though. Remember the benefit. I mean, we are human beings. God made us to have feelings and and want that sense of positive from our actions toward one another in human community and in our relationship with God. So remember that sense of what we get out of it, the feeling. In agape, it's not primary. But here in this text, Jesus brings us another word that defines what we get out of self-giving love. What results from self-giving love and remaining in the agape of Jesus. So as we uh, connect with this text, I have uh, two words for you. Actually, it's three that we'll move into here. They all, all three words start with E. And so I'm going to say them twice so you get them. We don't have them up on the screen. The first is engage. The second is express. And the third is experience. Engage, express, and experience. First, in this text, we are being called to engage the agape love of Jesus. To engage, to connect with it, to to make contact with it, or to be engaged by the love of Jesus and allow the contact of that love with our lives. Because it's mutual. And here is where I find a great, just a, a... a wonderful assortment of illustrations that that help with our understanding of this idea of abiding or remaining in the agape love of Jesus. Illustrations from the world of home rebuilding and construction. So it it occurred to me that if we're talking about engaging, right, engaging is, is, uh, we also went to Space Center Houston, and we talked about engaging rockets and buttons that allow that to happen. It's all about touch. It's all about solid connection, being engaged, to engage, right? Go ahead and do that. You want to to feel it, right? Feel, engaged. It's it's engaged. There's, There's contact, there's contact there. And it's so important in, in working on, on crafts uh, like home repair or other types of crafts where you're bringing two things together, right? You're bringing shingles 
together with, with plywood on the roof. You're bringing a, a, a piece of fascia uh, uh, to the, the, uh, the rafters of the roof. You're bringing, uh, uh, when you're doing uh, 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 work on the floor and uh, putting in a floor, you are working to, to, to connect one piece of that flooring to the other in a tight, close connection. And sometimes you have to redo some of the sections, right, when, when, when they're not so tight. Because the, it's so important. It's so important that those pieces are engaged. That's right. And it's so important that the engagement ha- happens at the action point when you're working on it. Like when you're nailing in a nail. The, how you strike that nail and the contact you get is really important. How that, how that nail sits and how it looks is vitally important to your work. There's the act, but there's also the remaining. You see, when you're done driving in all the nails and you're done putting in the flooring, it's very important that those, that contact remains together. We use tools to get this done. And so when you're working on something like this, you're, you're, you're creating this contact that will remain over time. But you're using tools to do it. You're using hammers. You're using custom tools to help you do it. On the, the site that we were working on, we had a, a huge lock trailer that was just absolutely full of tools. Hammers and saws and and pry bars, and all kinds of things. And, and every time that we showed up at the worksite, we had to take all the stuff out, because you have to take all the stuff out in order to get access to it, and then at the end of the day, you have to put all the stuff in. And in some ways, it feels like sometimes that's all the work you're doing, <laughs> is moving the tools. As you're using the tools to create this solid contact, this contact between these parts that will remain, um, it helps to recognize that oftentimes there's someone there who has more wisdom than you. For us, it was the, the, the building, the construction foreman, the master builder. Uh, his name was Aaron. Some people who went on the previous trip uh, have met Aaron. Aaron uh, is a, just a delightful guy who is the perfect combination of just massive strength and gentleness. He has this, he grew up in the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia and has this just warm, gentle accent. Uh, and uh, I think in terms of uh, people who we met down there, he's so Christ-like. I mean, I'm, the, the, just a me- memory of interaction with him is going to stick with me. And, and every time we were trying to make this contact, there were times when we weren't able to do it on our own. And we had to actually go to the master builder who was there. And he could patiently walk us through and teach us and show us how to do it. How to maintain this connection. How to, how to, how to be connected. How to be engaged and create an engagement between these parts. And this is what Jesus is talking about. He's calling us to engage his love and be engaged by it. And how do we do that? Well, we use tools. The tools that Jesus gives us. Tools like prayer in all of its dimensions. And tools like 
reading of God's word in all of its dimensions. And all of those spiritual disciplines, some of which we have practiced, and other things that are new to us, and we don't even know what purpose it's for if we, if we just saw it lying there. Just like that, that, that trailer full of tools, there are some things like, hey, a hammer, I've used that before. But there was a big saw in there that I had never used before in my life. And I had to learn how to do it. How do I learn how to do this? Who's, who's helping me do this? Well, it's the master builder. It's the master. It's the Lord. Jesus is with us by the Holy Spirit, helping us through the use of these tools to create this, this, this tight engagement with his love. And so that's the first thing we are called to, is to engage and be engaged by the agape love of Jesus. But there's a very important point that on this uh, this verse, Jesus makes a, a really clear pivot. He says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. In verse 9. And if we thought, if we thought that that just meant, okay, kind of go back to what we might think in our culture about love. Remember, love can mean a lot of things. And if we have this made up our mind that love means all about the feelings that I get from the transaction. We might think that Jesus was just inviting us into a place of sheer blessedness and spiritual pleasure. Just to soak it up. And soak it in. And that being the end of it. Friends, that's not what remaining or abiding in the love, the agape love of Jesus is about. You know that because you heard it, you read it in this text. Jesus doesn't stop there. He continues on. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other. As I have loved you. And so we learn this, and this is where express comes in. We've engaged and been engaged by the love of Jesus. Now we learn that remaining in or abiding in the agape love of Jesus involves expressing this love in human community. Expressing this love. So it's not just soaking it in, it's yes, it involves that but it involves expressing it. Now, to learn what this expression looks like, Jesus helps us understand this, and he's helping his disciples understand it. We have the benefit of hindsight. We know the full story. His disciples in this moment do not know the full story. Jesus has not given his life for the salvation of his disciples and for the world yet at this point. He's teaching. His disciples are learning. We're moving there at this point in the gospel. But Jesus says this in verse 13. We know what he means by this, right? Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends.
The person who does that does not get a lot of pleasurable feelings from that. That is agape love. You know, I was, I was looking at the word uh, engage uh, online, just kind of studying that word, getting a sense of it. And I, and I found, uh, for those of you business types, you will like this reference. Um, there's a, there was a shift in terms of leadership style from what was called command and control. You familiar with that? Command and control leadership. That means large and in charge, right? Get a, a hold of the situation, exert control of the situation. Well, they were talking about how there's a, they wanted to see a shift to engage and align. Engage and align. And I thought, this is really key. This whole concept of after you've engaged or been engaged, making the contact, alignment is really important. Alignment. Think about building application for the, that term alignment. But what Jesus is talking about here is he's saying, not necessarily that, okay, now everyone has to go out and give their lives, die, for their friends. That's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is letting his friends know that he is about to do that exact thing for them. But for us, I think it's important for us to recognize that that we are being called to love that aligns with Jesus' kind of agape love, which is self-offering, self-giving love. And so what does that mean? This self-giving love that we are called to express one to another. Well, it may not come as a surprise to you that the world that we live in is rather ambivalent about self-giving love. For various reasons, and, and some that, that have a fair bit of, of uh, logic to and uh, you know, good arguments that we need to, to listen to. Uh, when I was looking up, uh, I was looking up online for references to movies that featured people who are sacrificing their lives for the lives of others, to save others' lives. And I found one reference from that search. It was on the first page of Google search when I looked. And it was someone who was basically saying, enough already. Let's stop talking about love and defining it as self-giving. Now, I didn't have enough time in the Houston airport to, as I was waiting for my flight, to really dive in and say, hey, what's that all about? Because I don't have that same kind of reaction to the idea of self-giving love. I can imagine where it's coming from. That sense of sometimes people might give too much of themselves and lose themselves. Remember that illustration that I used before that Stephen Ministry uses? Maybe they're talking about the people who just try to help people by jumping into the pit and lose all sense of connection and so end up not really helping anyone out. And I think, well, you might have a point there. Maybe that's not what, what Jesus is talking about here. But the world also still has this, is just... It is captivated by this sense of people who give their lives for others. And no less of a, a, of a spiritual website than the MTV website <laughs> featured a list of 43 such moments in recent feature films that are guaranteed to leave you in tears. So says the title. And you will recognize many movies that, that are represented in that list. Saving Private Ryan, Lord of the Rings, 
The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Glory. Remember that Civil War film? Glory. And, and even Terminator. <laughs> you remember it. So we're still captivated by this. We're ambivalent about it in the world, but we're captivated by it. There's still something powerful about people giving their lives for someone else. Now, this Wednesday, this past Wednesday, one of the things we did midweek, we went to the beach uh, in Galveston, and uh, after that, we, we, on our way back to where we were staying in Clear Lake, south of Houston, we'd stopped by a high school in the local area, and the name of this high school is Santa Fe High School. Uh, on May 18th of this year, uh, a student at 7.40 a.m. Uh, walked into the school with guns and shot and killed eight of his fellow students and two teachers and injured 13 others at that spot. And just earlier that day, there was, kind of, there had been a, they, there was actually kind of a ceremony that the community did, and they actually removed the white crosses from the school lawn. And so we came in first thing. We had, we had talked to local law enforcement to let them know that we were going to go actually have a vigil or a worship service in that space. Bring our high schoolers there to, to reflect on it. And one of the things, we had some information about, about the, those who lost their lives there, and, and one of the the stories, as so often happens, uh, is, that, is that as we learn more about what people do in situations like this, there are people, kids, kids who give their lives to save others. Stories of, of someone who was... Someone who barricaded a door with his own body, and was killed through that door. And as our group shared about that, there was a lot of tears, tears and expressions of lament and even anger from these teenagers, your teenagers, our teenagers. And yet, it extended even to the shooter, who oftentimes we, we hear about that maybe this is a response to bullying. And, and, and we start talking and expressing that wouldn't, it be great, and let's make it our prayer, that, that this self-giving love, that, that we're able to somehow spark a movement so that this self-giving love will start earlier, so that we won't be so mean to each other. And so in the school hallways, we can be giving of ourselves in self-giving love to reach out and to lift up in that agape-style love, not just to keep ourselves cool, but to go out of our way to lift another person up. Not for our feelings, but for the good of that human being. And so we were changed by that interaction. We were also touched by the people who, had, who have expressed the love, the agape love of Jesus in alignment with Christ's self-giving love in the way they have given of themselves to help people recover from Hurricane Harvey's effects. We mentioned Aaron, our construction supervisor. Um, the sacrifices that he's made. We, we, we actually talked with, with uh, his wife uh, about uh, you know what kind of gift card could we get for him, and, and he loves doing a lot of hobbies, which he hasn't done in a very, 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 very long time, because this is a time when he is serving 
self-sacrificially. Um, we were actually, this last Thursday, we were served, we were served the, the last meal of a year full of meal that one couple in the church volunteers. They've spent the entire year not being able to even go out of town for one day because they've been hosting groups like ours nonstop, cooking for them in the kitchen. And they finally got some grant money to get some people to replace them, and we were able to send them off to take some much-needed rest. But, but the example of that, the self-giving love, is just so powerful. But this self-giving and others-lifting love, that's what Jesus is talking about. We engage ourselves to it in Jesus who has come to us as one who has given his life for us. But in this connection, remaining in that love starts to build an expression that aligns with that self-giving love of Christ in the ways that we speak to one another and live with one another in human community. Final point is this. This is where the, 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 um, the shingle overlaps with a sermon that you're going to hear in a couple of weeks because we have a whole sermon on, on, uh, on that, that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. But there's another word for E that can finish this sermon, and that is experience. So we've talked about engaging the agape love of Christ and expressing the agape love of Christ as we are engaged and remain in that love. But we also experience something. Remember how I talked about us humans? We, we need that something for our feelings. There is an emotional dimension to it. For Christians, those who practice the agape love of Christ, it is joy. Joy is not something that is all about us. It's the feeling of elation. It's the high that we get when we see that person who was low standing right next to us, shoulder to shoulder. When someone who otherwise would have been an enemy and would have been shunned from our social circles is brought into that circle, there is joy in human community. And the final thing I'll say about construction and our experience on this trip is that I was blown away by the students from this church on this trip as we were doing this work in in very, very hot, humid weather. How many times I literally was standing agape (laughs) with my mouth agape, just going, did I really hear that? More times than I can count, I witnessed Two students discussing how they should do the work that they were called to do. And the first round of it, you had two completely different views on it. Now, we talked about this with Aaron. He said, oh, you think it's bad with teenagers. Wait until you get the older guys and gals who have done this on their own homes and and see what kind of arguments you have then. (laughs) You guys know what I'm talking about. (laughs) But on more than one occasion... I heard one of those students say to the others and those around around them, yeah, let's do it their way. End of story. No argument, no crisis, no drama. Let's do it their way. 
And, and there was so much cooperation that happened. It really was an exercise in agape love. And what resulted from that was a full expression of joy. The hard work was nothing. It was nothing because the entire experience was just full of joy that came from the agape love of Christ just being soaked completely through as much as our clothes were soaked completely through with sweat. (laughs) May we be soaked completely through as we remain in the agape love of Christ. Amen.